Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the New Norm Podcast, episode three. My name is Pierre. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Derek. Um, and today we have uh, an excellent show planned for you. Today we're going to talk about a number of things concerning the Sixers and Eagles. Um, how you been, Derek? You doing you doing all right, man? Yeah, just trying to live, maintain this whole COVID thing. Yeah, you know, not crazy. How about you? How you been? I've been chilling, man. Just going to school and working, bro. I feel you. <laughs> But um, we can go ahead and get into it if you're ready. Yep, for sure. All right. So uh, first thing on the docket, uh, the Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic whole battle MVP race type thing. Uh, where are you on that? In terms of MVP, I got Embiid over Jokic, not just specifically stat related. Um, he is number one in the East. Well, the Sixers are number one in the East versus... Denver being number seven in the uh, in the West, but they were I think twelfth about two weeks ago before yeah. you know Jokic went on that crazy tear, and then the uh, the Nuggets went on their little run. But other than that, it's very very close. Um, I monitored throughout the season because I knew from probably two years ago when everything was all right. Embiid had a forty point night, then. You know, the next article later, well, Jokic had 45 and 12. Then the next night, Embiid has 38, 12, and 6. Then the next night, Jokic. So they, it's kind of like when Shaq started winding down and then Dwight started, you know, picking up yeah. his game. It's always, there's never, hey, let's unanimously unanimously like this big man. There's yeah. always has to be a comparison. And for Dwight, there wasn't really anyone in the league at the time for him to compare. Bynum, I guess you could in a sense, but I don't think it was ever that close. But with Jokic and Embiid, it is that close. Gobert or Gobert, uh, he'll never get you, you know, 35. Yeah, he's not an offensive-minded player. Exactly. He'll get you, you know, those screen assists and things like that. So having two dominant big men like this, it gives them something to talk about throughout the whole season. But um, just to not, you know, uh, sway off topic, um, Embiid averages more points Similar rebounds, I think it's 0.3 difference. Uh, Jokic, oh, I, has I have the three. I have the stats right here. Yeah, you want me to read them off for you? Read them off, yeah, read them okay. off for me. All right, this is Joel Embiid 29.4 points per game, 54.5 uh, field goal percentage, 38.1 three point percentage, 10.9 might as well say 11 rebounds per game, 2.9 assists per game, 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks. He's eighth in defensive win shares, third in usage percentage. And um, 10th in defensive rating of centers with at least 25 minutes played a game and the Sixers are he's 10th in defensive rating and the Sixers are first in East uh, with Jokic. It's he's averaging 26.9 points per game, 56.7 field goal percentage, shooting 40% from three, 11.2 rebounds, 8.6 assists per game, 1.6 steals, 0.6 blocks. He's 18th in defensive win shares. 21st in usage percentage and 18th in defensive rating. And as you said, the Nuggets are seventh in the West. 
Yeah. So when when st when stats are that close, there's you know other things that you have to look at. You're not going to give yeah. you know a player that's averaging you know 35, 10, and 10, but their team's an 11 seed. Yeah. They're not going to win the the MVP award. Then I think that's where it goes into the the eye test. Exactly. And I think it's I love the way Denver plays basketball. If I wasn't a Sixers fan, that is a a team that I would enjoy watching. The ball's always moving. Yeah. Jokic can pass his behind off. He's yeah. his vision is insane. But with Embiid, it's like if Denver goes down, you know, 13, 14 points, it's like, all right, you know, they need Gary Harris to step up, Will Barton, not just Jokic. Yeah. When Sixers go down 13 and B goes on like an 11 0 run by himself. Yeah. Like there's just something there. And I, with and I think that's that's diving into what I was going to say a little bit. You know, like we can see the dominance with B. Like mm -hmm. we can see him go, you know, 10 straight. Uh, by himself you mm -hmm. know we, we can see that is like I said it's the eye test yeah even the uh the Portland game the other night where we lost we were down 11 points I think it was yeah. uh closing the second quarter and he went on an 8-0 run by himself there's just things he can do that not many players can and um I was actually watching the um the halftime report on NBA TV and I'm not sure who the the person was but he was going over the highlights and he called it uh SLN and he said Shaq like numbers Embiid mm -hmm. is the closest thing like yeah he gets the Hakeem comparisons but just flat out hey give him the ball yeah. I don't it's care that, that level my left arm or my right arm I'm going to finish or yeah. it's it's ridiculous and like you said the eye test I feel like the eye test on top of the Sixers being number one yeah. versus Denver being number seven and, and it, it is February it can always change but as of right now yeah. you have to reward the best player on the best team as long as the stats are, you know, equal. If Jokic is putting up, you know, more points, more rebounds, more assists, more blocks, more yeah, steals. Then, then it and, wouldn't be a contest. Exactly. But when they're that close, you go into, you know, team-related statistics. And that's the Sixers have, I think it's the fourth best record in the league, and they're yeah. number one in their conference. You can't take that away from him. Yeah. How about uh, you? What's of your course, opinion? Uh, I just, I say in B, of course, but, you know, like, like I was saying before, it's just the level of dominance we see from him, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it hasn't been seen. I I, I don't want to sound, uh, what's the word over, I guess, like over, overbearing or whatever, but yeah. the level of dominance we're seeing from him B, we haven't, I don't think we've seen in the center from since Shaquille O'Neal. Um, sure. Jokic, you know, like you said, he can pass, he, he can, you know, he can score uh, at will almost, but it's just in B. Like I, I just keep going back to that the level of dominance that he displays on a nightly basis. Like he literally rolls out of bed and gets thirty and eleven. Like there's <laughs> nobody that can guard him. It looks like it's not supposed to happen. Yeah. But like uh, I was talking to my dad in one of the games. Uh, you remember like Mike, where like Lil Bow Wow would shoot it and it looked like like a remote is programming the ball. Yeah. That's how it looks with Embiid's like mid-range, a little yeah. hesitation he does. I'm like, it goes in exactly the same every single time. Like yeah. something is, like the game is fixed or something. I'm like, how is he this good? And he does it every single night. He yeah. doesn't sweat. He just, I don't know. There, There's something. And they can't take that away from us by saying, yeah. I know a lot of excuses are um, Denver has Jamal. Murray, we have Ben Simmons, who's a perennial all-star, and Tobias yeah. Harris, who's putting up all-star numbers. You can't fault the guy for having, you know, yeah. good teammates. There's nothing you could take away from that because he's doing it in spite of those guys needing the ball. Ben Simmons, you know, uh, 
sixth in the league in assists. Tobias Harris, 20 points per game on 50, 40, 85, I think it was. 80, 89% from the free throw. 89, yeah. yeah. There's, and he's still doing, you know, near 30, 11, and three assists while playing, you know, defensive player of the year type defense. It's it's unreal. Yeah, and that um, that actually goes into the next topic with uh, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and their claims to be, be uh, all-stars this year. And um, jumping in on Tobias first, you know, you just listed out his uh, stats. He's actually one of three players in the league that are that are averaging 20 points while shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three, and at least 89% from the free throw line. And the other two are, um, I think it's Chris Middleton and um, the name's escaping me. But I know it's Chris Middleton and one other guy. And those two guys, they're both all-stars. Mm-hmm. So Tobias Harris, and then I think you can just see it in the level of confidence he's playing with this year and the level of decisiveness he's playing with. You know, he's not hesitating like he was last year. You know, he's not – and then that – he's not being asked to do too much either. Yep. You know, it's either he gets the ball, you know, he's driving, he gets the ball, or, you know, he's um, going off of uh, picks or he's passing it. You know, it's, it's more much more streamlined with him this year. So I think Tobias is should definitely be an all-star this year. And Doc mentioned it uh, earlier this year. He said, watching film on last year's Sixers, Tobias dribbled entirely too much. He got the ball and he thought, you know, in his head entirely too much. Hey, if I'm open, shoot the ball. If I'm not, I'm going to drive. If I've been mismatching the post, I'm going to go to the post. Basketball isn't a hard game. And Tobias, I'm not going to blame Brett Brown. You know how I feel about him. But I felt like Tobias was like a robot. Like, okay, the play says I need to take two steps here and then V cut. That's what I'm going to do. But with Doc, he's like, all right, you know, I'm playing basketball. I've done this my entire life. Let me go do it. And and it's much more streamlined with Doc. Exactly. I think that's something I have here in my notes. He's he's simplified the game for everybody. You know, with Embiid, if he's he's uh taking over a game, we're just gonna keep going to him. If it's Tobias, you know, we're just gonna keep going to him. And even with men, like he's talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, you're just gonna let him play free. You know, we're not gonna like try to over control it. You know, we're gonna let the guys play basketball. Yep. And. I don't want to use this as an excuse to kind of downplay Tobias's, you know, significant. It's not an upgrade in play, but I t- statistically he hasn't been much better outside of, you know, efficiency, but yeah. he, the play just looks better as a whole. But the Sixers are the one seed. There's no way you can have one player make the all-star team from the best team in the East. There's It's impossible. Whether it's a reach, like I thought Chris Middleton was a reach a couple of years ago. But he had the same thing as Tobias, 20 points on 50, 40, 90. Like, you yeah. had to do it. And uh, speaking of when you said uh, Doc simplifying everything, I think that's why we see this this version of Ben Simmons lately. Yeah. I believe it was the Boston series that pretty much, you know, started this. I think it's, it stemmed from Jalen Brown when he hit that step back and said he was too small. From then on, like a... I think he was embarrassed. He knew he was going to be on Bleacher Report, something. Something switched, and Ben Simmons is looking like the guy that we want him to be. And that could be from – I think it's from we, – we spoke to the, uh, about this quite a few times, actually, about it seeming like Doc is like, hey, I want you to run the offense. I don't care if you score. I don't care if you shoot. I legitimately mean that. Yeah. Get this, get everyone open shots, and you're good. And then Ben is sitting there like – all right, well, I see everyone, you know, critiquing me that I don't shoot or that I don't attack. What do I do? And then he looks outside of his assists, he looks kind of lost. And now I think he found like a, you know, the, a perfect balance of, all right, I'm going to attack now. All right, 
Embiid got it going, I'm going to get Embiid the ball. Tobias got it going, our shooters got it going, I'm going to get them the ball. If I have to score, I'll score. And outside of probably the second half of today's game versus Phoenix, I say Ben has pretty much perfected that balance. Yeah. Um, the that whole, second half, that that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. That was awful basketball from everyone, including Embiid. I mean, he did dominate, but he just – it didn't – he let Dario Sarge kind of – I'm not going to blame the refs. He was, you know, two hands on the bag, a little more physical than most referees allow. But to be an MVP, you got to play through that. And, you know, he didn't have a poor game, but it's crazy that 35 and eight game from Embiid is considered like not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, with Ben, I think he's like on that fringe area. Like he's kind of an all-star, but then again, he's not. I think the next few games will determine that. Um, I think he just needs to be like, like, like you said, and like uh, many people have said, he just needs to be more aggressive on offense. You know, he needs mm-hmm. to continue to get downhill and get to the, uh, get to the rim. And um, another thing I noticed, like in the second half of the Phoenix game, which uh, I think we saw it like a couple weeks ago when they played Brooklyn, but Ben, he's six ten, but sometimes he lets smaller guys like, if you're backing them down, use your muscle, use your body, like, like Keep back going. them down. <laughs> Just keep going. And yeah. I mentioned that on uh, Twitter. I think he's so scared of these offensive fouls. It's in his head. Yeah. Whether it's an offensive foul or not, Ben Simmons using his 240-pound frame yeah. gets the call. And I used to take advantage. I'm In high school, I was probably 5'8", maybe 130. I used to take advantage of that against, like, bigger guards. If they try to post me up, I'll just, like, flop, automatically get the call. Or I'll drive, kind of get bodied a little bit, get the call. I think Dennis, it's it's in his head to this point now. LeBron is more of a, all right, I'm not going to get a charge call, but I'm not going to get the call either, so I won't flop. Ben gets that offensive foul every single time. Yeah. And he does that whole, I'm going to go real hard, kind of bump you with my shoulder. All you got to do is fly off of him every single time. And, I, and that's part of, you know, that's another part of his game that he's going to need to expand. You've seen it already in December, well, late December and January, where Ben kind of, it was like, all right, well, we're just going to wall uh, uh, wall off the paint. Then what are you going to do? He's kind of found a counter to that. He's using his crossover yeah. a little bit more. He's using a spin move a little bit more and that little baby hook. Yeah. I next, like that. Like he's got, it's, the touch on it has gotten really soft. Mm-hmm. And the next step now is, all right, well, now they're calling when I, you know, full head of steam, if I bump you a little bit, they're calling that. So what is my new counter? to that and I love what Sam Cassell has done if it's not a wide open corner three I need you to attack at all times and I do want him to shoot don't get me wrong when you're wide open take that shot but you can tell the effect that Sam Cassell has had on him I feel like this version of Ben last year when he starts off slow unless it was transition like yeah his you know all of his stats across the board went up but it was still the same old game. All right, well, we play the Heat today. They're going to go zone. Ben Simmons gets six points. This year, Ben plays the high post. He'll get, you know, he'll find a way to get his 13 to 15 points, but he'll get 11 assists and expose that zone. But I think that's a, uh, what's the word? That's a function of them, like the roster, you know, how it's been built. There's much Mm -hmm. more shooting around, you know, it's predicated on fit. Instead of getting the ball at the high post with Al Horford on one side and the beat on the other, you got Steph or not Steph. You got Seth on one side, Danny Green on the other. 
Seth is a better Curry, by the way. <laughs> I agree, one hundred percent. I don't even know. I don't even know that guy in Golden State. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Daryl Morey he came out, and I think uh, it was what about like two, three weeks ago, he came out and he said it's a championship for Buzz Gear for the 76ers. Do you agree with that statement? Yes and no. Um, when he says it's championship or bust, I don't think it's Houston level where, all right, we're shipping out Harden, we're shipping out Westbrook, we're shipping out, you know, or I'll even go past Houston, but we're shipping out CP3, Clint Capella. We're going full blow up mode. I think a non-championship appearance this year equals Embiid or Ben is gone. Wow. That's what I don't agree with. <laughs> I can't go. I, I I wouldn't go that, that, uh, I wouldn't go to that level. I personally wouldn't, but I think he was like, I'm going to give doc one chance to get to, make to the finals. Ben and fit. Yeah, yeah. To the finals. If we make it all right now, I need to, you know, tinker with the roster a little bit more, which I think he's still going to do this year before yeah. the trade deadline. But see, I mean, uh, I think the fit with Ben and B is there. We can see it. It's, it's there. just about putting shooting around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have, he has put, you know, more shooting around, but I feel like it's not the type of shooting that, that works. Like, yes, yeah, Seth and Danny Green are, you know, good shooters, but they're not those, as soon as they catch it, release. Yeah. Kind of Like a JJ Reddick. Exactly. And I think Seth is a thousand times better than JJ Reddick, but it's just the, the, the shooting that Embiid and Ben need yeah. aren't what Seth and Danny Green provide. Like, I, mean, I, I wouldn't mean, get rid of both of them, but I would use one of them in a deal to get someone like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, we saw it with uh, J.J. Reddick throughout the, what, two, three years he was here. You know, the dribble handoffs with Embiid, he just come off the screen and pop, you know. And you see it more. I'm not, you know, COVID was a reason. Uh, Seth said, you know, he struggled a little bit getting back into a rhythm. Yeah. But they're not even helping off him anymore. The, the open shots that Seth was getting, to start the season are not there. They're overplaying. They're running them off the three-point line. Yeah. They're like, all right, you know, Ben or Tobias or Embiid, y'all going to go ahead, but we're not going to double off Steph. You know, maybe one or two feet off, you know, where I can slide into the paint, draw a charge, something like that, but we're not leaving him. Danny Green needs to take that next step. He can't be as consistent, inconsistent as he has been. If he not, just, He's so slow on defense. Ridiculous. <laughs> and they said it. They were like, oh, you know, he took a step back last year but he has those, you know, vet tendencies that he can yeah. bait you into things. He doesn't even have that anymore. Yeah. It's literally just buy time until Ben Simmons can guard your man in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And by that time, you know, they already have, you know, 36 points. What did Devin Booker have? 18 in the third quarter alone? I think so, yeah. And then by that time, there's nothing. To, to, ben Simmons is an all-world defender, arguably the best defender in the league. Once a guy like Devin Booker is hot, there's nothing you can do. Yep. a Lillard. He played very well, but Damian Lillard missed shots that he makes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then that's when Melo started heating up. Exactly. On Tobias. Yeah. But um, would you make any more Luckily, moves or what moves no. would you make uh before the trade deadline? Specifically or in terms of like position? Um both. Positionally, I think we need definitely a backup stretch four. Yeah, that hopefully can play five, the backup five in spurts. Someone like uh, Bialicia, yeah. I think that's how you say it, from Sacramento. Um, even though he's a six-two, you know, power forward, PJ Tucker would be 
perfect in spurts because at the end of the day, you'll have PJ Tucker in with Ben Simmons. So yeah. a, a six seven six ten front court isn't <laughs> awful. Um, a name yeah, I throw out there, who's uh, I think he's a free agent, uh, Ersan Ilyasova. Ersan, yeah. did you see the video of him working out in the snow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love. I I don't. I'm not all about like nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, the 2017 Sixers. But yeah. I like Ilyasova a lot. And for what he lacks in defensive ability, on ball, yeah. he's excellent off the ball. Yeah. So having you know Danny Green, ugh, I hate saying that, but um, Ben Simmons. And Embiid around him, it won't be as noticeable for him to be on a court. Um, other than that, we need at least one more ball handler off the bench, someone that can create. Um, and even when, because there's times where we need Shake to be Shake, and he just yeah. isn't for that yeah. for whatever reason. So we're forced to close the game with a Matisse who can't create or a Danny Green who can't create. I tweeted it out the other day. Matisse literally cannot do anything else but play defense. Yeah. He's good for and like one three. Doing, yeah, go ahead. And if he's not pulling off those, you know, steals and deflections like he did against the Pacers, it's kind of like, all right, now what do you do? Yeah. Like you're getting scored on, but you provide nothing on the other end. So like, why are you really here? Yeah. But someone like George Hill, um, a guy that I've always loved, uh, Eton Moore, but he's on Phoenix, so he's yeah, yeah he's on a, a playoff team. So I doubt he ever gets you know bought out or traded. But um, just guys like that, like solid vets, even like actually not really Wayne Ellington, but Wayne Ellington more in the form of what we spoke on of like sharpshooters. Like as soon as they get it, yeah, catch and release. Um, we could always use that because Korkmaz is supposed to be that guy. And why does he get so many minutes? <laughs> I'm telling you, he has to kill in practice. There's no, there's no other way. He has to abuse. He probably kills Ben in practice. <laughs> there's no, there's no logical reason that Brett is like, oh yeah, we need to grow Obama or whatever and plays him. Then Doc comes and does the same thing. Like, I don't get it. He, Isaiah Joe can do what he does. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure Isaiah Joe's defense would be <laughs> no. marginally, marginally better than what Furcon gets. They seek Korkmaz out. Yeah, but um, me, I don't know if you'd call this a uh a, a uh like a big move or huge move or whatever. But the guy go get Cal Lowry. We need oh, another. We need another shot creator in the half court. Love that. Now I don't know what it take to give to uh, get him. I don't know if they take like something in the package of like Danny Green, Mike Scott, and uh, Ferguson and picks. I don't know if that would get it done. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's what. Uh, they need to get would you throw in shake for him i forgot who i was speaking to about it we were talking using uh because i said yeah no team is really perfect yeah. so we have to you know sacrifice something in order to get something better yeah and i made a list and i think i put shake in that list for lowry I wouldn't put so there's a so for Maxi, I'm only using I'm only throwing in Maxi for Beale or Levine. I can't, yeah. I just can't. I the 20 year old, yeah, he's still raw, but I have so much just like confidence. His ceiling is so high. It is. And you can see it. He's losing a little bit of confidence. And I think that just came with because you know, Doc doesn't reps. play him. Yeah. As less reps, less minutes. So you know, he's getting in his head a little bit, but he's so tough. With Shake, obviously Beal, I throw in Levine, Buddy Hill. Oladipo, Lowry, I think I would, even though oh, he's on firing. I, I don't I know would. if I'll throw in a shake for Oladipo. 
You wouldn't? With the with the guarantee that he stays. Mate, what is what is all the deal for averaging this year? I haven't. Let me twenty. I'm gonna look that up. Five rebounds, five assists, or twenty four and four, something like. It's either twenty four and four and twenty five and five. He's averaging twenty five and four. So, yeah, I'll throw in a shake. Yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> I would do it. I would do it. But the whole, the only thing that scares me is the whole he wants to go to Miami regardless thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't do it. You're getting a significantly less package for Oladipo if he's not saying, "Hey, I'm I'm staying in Philly." You know what I mean? Yeah. But Lowry, I think I would. Philly, oh, yeah, kick, I think I, I think I'd throw in a shake for him for Lowry. Yeah, and you close with a with a Lowry Seth. Ben Tobias and B line. That's tough. Yes, man. Yes. That's very tough. And he's one of those guys that I hate. I hate him. But if he was on Bro, my I team, tweeted it out Jersey. earlier today. I hate him. But if he was on the Sixers, <laughs> he's on that tier with like Marcus Smart. Like yeah. if you're not on my team, I despise you. But yeah. he just draw between drawing fouls, shooting. He plays great defense, help side and you know on the ball. Kyle Lowry is tough. Yeah, he can. He hits some big shots. Yeah, and that's the thing. Ben, he can dominate the ball while Ben, you know, plays the four. Of uh, uh, Lowry, uh, and uh, Lowry, Ben Simmons pick and roll with Seth spotting out, Tobias on the other side, yes. and then he, that is. Oof. And then even with Lowry, like, um, him playing off ball, I think we kind of saw that when Kawhi was uh in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, so it could fit. Like the fit is there. Yeah, it's not forced. Hey, Lowry, you're the point guard. Ben, you're the four, yeah. or vice versa. Like Kyle, you played the two. They can work off each other. Yeah, and we've seen Ben. He's willing to move, you know, into a more off-ball uh, role, like he did in the bubble with the yep. when Shake was the point guard. Yeah, so, I and think like I said, you know, big for Lowry. Yeah, when they called like Toronto, LeBronto, and all that, when he had DeRozan, <laughs> he didn't have that. He was still scared when you know the brights. I mean, the light shine brightest. Yeah. Winning that championship, whether it had anything to do with Kawhi averaging, you know, 40 on unreal efficiency, yeah. that made him take the leap. It might have taken him until he was, you know, age 33, but he yeah. did it. He has this confidence about himself, like, hey, this is my city. Like, I have a ring. If you need a bucket, give it. Give me the ball. Like, I can do it now. And then another thing, Lowry has a connection to Maury. Didn't the, the Rockets, didn't they – they traded for him or signed him when him, I yeah. think from Memphis. Yeah, when he was on when Maury was the GM in Houston. And that's when he started. I mean, yeah. he didn't jump up to the player he was in Toronto, but that's when it was like, all right, Kyle Lowry is more than just this little fat kid from you know Villanova. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, the fish there. I think it could work with uh with Lowry in Philadelphia. You think Toronto would do it? Um I don't know. Uh I, I I saw a report, I think, like, a couple of days ago. It was, like, they'd be interested in shopping him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, I think it depends on what they get back from him. It yeah. depends on what they get back from him. And I feel like basketball-wise, it's a lot less, you know, uh, importance in terms of, like, division rivals and things like that. Yeah. There's no shot, you know, Wentz goes to Dallas or Washington or New York, but in basketball, we will see trades <laughs> Boston and Philly or Boston yeah. and New York. It's not that big of a deal. So it's as long as Toronto would be, as long as we give them something worthwhile, I feel like yeah. we wouldn't say, you know, Philly's off limits, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, in terms outside of Beal, Levine, 
I'll even put Oladipo up there. Buddy, he's I think he's on the same level as Lowry in terms of like like what I want him for this team. Like, yeah, of course I would want him, but Beal is like, you know, Beal is Beal. Beal is top option. Yeah, Levine at this point, he's not on Beal's level, but he's he's creeping up there. I think he's averaging like 28 this year yeah. on like 48. It was like 48, 40, 80 percentages. He's doing unreal things in Chicago and he needs to get, you know, released. They need to let him go. Yeah. Let him go. Take whatever you get. And because that dude is he's unreal. What would you give up for Bill? Would you throw in Maxi for him? I think you just said it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'll, Ben and Embiid is the only untouchables for Beal. Did you see that? Uh, I think it was NBA Central tweeted out. They want three first-round picks, two pick swaps, a young player, and expiring deal. Bro, <laughs> give them Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Matisse Stobble, and whatever picks they want. Give them whatever. They can have the picks for the rest of my life, man. <laughs> the rest of my life. Yeah. Till 2080, they can have every. <laughs> That team, oh my goodness. Yeah. But it, that's, I sat there and I said, all right, you know, the young guys, Matisse, the expirings, Danny Green, and then we do the whole pick deal. If they said you need Maxi in this trade, I'm doing it. I'll do it. For sure, yeah. Because he guaranteed this year, the rest of this year, guaranteed next year, then he has the option. If we win a chip, he's staying. Yeah, for sure. If we even make the, I'll say, if we even make the Eastern Conference Finals, he's staying. They're just like Jimmy, I'm pretty sure if they would have beat Toronto, Jimmy would have stayed. I think, crazy enough, if Brett gets fired last year, he stays. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because they essentially chose Brett over Jimmy. Exactly. It was a, we don't want him unless we can control him. That turned him off. That was completely. so That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time. Less, less this year because Miami is, yeah. Yeah. But last year and watching those bubble games, I'm like, I cannot believe this. Yeah. But um before we switch gears to the Eagles, I just want to say um to everyone out there listening, I want to thank you guys for listening. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and leave a review and it'll really help us out a lot. Um diving into the Eagles. The big story, of course, is the Carson Wentz trade situation and everything going on with that. Uh what's your uh, opinion on everything going on with, with him? I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for our fans. It's just like a, a horrible situation. He hates us. Majority of his fan base turned on him. I won't, so. say, I won't say he hates he hates the fan base. Nah, he does. He has we suck. <laughs> we are awful. Like we're just ready to ship him out after everything. And I'm I'm still, you know, if he ended up staying, I'm more of the the opinion that. If he ends up staying, I'm going to support him. I want him gone see, because see, I don't think here. I don't think there's any way you can bring him back into this locker room. Like oh, there's I, zero. Unless Howie's gone, there's zero shot. Yeah. I, but even that, with the mention where players are are uh, you know getting ready for the whole Jalen Hurts scenario. Yeah, they're already like, going, they're going. It was reported they're they're going out to uh, practice with him. Yeah. There's there's something there. And it could be Wentz admitted it last year or the year before where he said, um, you know, I could be a little hard to coach. You know, I'm a little bit, you know, selfish without kind of bashing himself. He, you know, yeah. he admitted to, to some of those stories. And I think it does rub people the wrong way. The young guys came in and it's like, all right, yo, who is this dude? He hasn't 
he has what three playoff yards in his career. He had the one they won a Super Bowl without him. Like, yo, who are you to tell me what to do? Yeah. And then you got Jalen Hurts, who is this picture perfect leader. I mean, I don't know the guy. Obviously, I'm not in the locker room, but from you know stories, opinions, things like that. Then all of a sudden, you know, even vets. You saw when he had that uh, that crazy run to tie the game against yeah. Arizona. Alshon sprinted yeah, over. I was I was just gonna say it. You can see it. Mm-hmm. Alshon Jeffrey ran over and picked this man up off the ground, smacking him on the helmet. That's I haven't seen him do that with Wentz since since that 2017 season. Alshonimus. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days, but yeah, it's just and there's it could be that Wentz was just in his own head he is he's he admitted to being that guy when you know things hit the fan yeah he kind of you know reserves himself and he and he keeps to himself Jalen Hurts you know after the New Orleans game after the Cardinals game he probably went up to everyone you know and I'm just speaking from what I saw this season or like articles written there's obviously no full-on 100% proof but he's over there talking to everyone on the sidelines, sitting, laughing, joke. You like that. If when when you start getting frustrated in a season and you're sitting there at three, you know, three, nine, and one, you're not gonna want a quarterback that's over there standing by yourself. You want a quarterback that's a you got this isn't going how we're going, but you know, just rock with me, we're gonna be good, things like that. Yeah. And you saw Hurts do it. And I think it was written about like what a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago. And it said uh, when Wentz would like throw an interception or there'd be a three and out, he just go sit on a bench and sulk by himself. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's no way. To, yeah, it's annoying for fans, let alone you know, uh, you know, teammates. Because I'm I'm not gonna front. I'm the same way as Wentz. If the team is playing poorly and I have a reason, you know, if I'm averaging thirty and my team sucks, obviously I'm just a cocky guy. Like yo, it ain't my fault. Yeah. But if I'm playing poorly, I'll sit, you know, at the end of the bench or something and like sulk. And you can see it in my teammates, you know, like, why is he, why are you doing like that? Like, yeah. hey, pick it up. And if you see your quarterback that, you know, the $130 million quarterback doing that, then you're going to be like, all right, this dude don't care. Then I don't care either. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, this young, energetic quarterback comes in. Whether you win or lose, you can see a difference in in play or mentality and once you get a, hey, you know, going into the 2021 season, we got to choose either Hurts or Wentz. You're obviously going to side with that guy that you can see will try to rally everyone while, you know, whether the season's going good or not. He's going to rally everyone. Yeah. Um, which team do you think makes the most sense for Wentz in a trade? For us or for, for Carson? Mm-hmm. Both. For us... I say Chicago for Wentz, obviously Indianapolis. Um, I think Chicago is going to give up that one. I 100% feel well, like. Well, I mean, according to what, you know, I've heard and, you know, it's, you yeah. can take this for what it's worth, but it was the same source that gave me the uh, information on my story that I put in, uh, that I had on the Philly Blitz in December. But um, I think Chicago has already offered a one. Now I know the report came out. Earlier today, I said uh, the Eagles have not been offered a one. But I think that's how he playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How we, we all know how is a master manipulator of the media. That's how he gets now. But um, I mean, like you can really see it. Think about it. Rob Marty, um, a couple of days ago, he had the report that a team uh, they said they 
had the best offer other than the Colts offer of the uh, two second round picks. Mm-hmm. They said they had the better offer. The only well, way you can have a better offer is to include a one. Exactly. That team was Chicago. He said it, uh, Ryan Pace, he's on the hottest seat yeah. that could possibly Ryan Pace, be. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Yeah, they're on the hottest seat. You're not going to take – you're not going to have a, a one last hurrah with yeah. Sam Darnold or, you know, Gardner Minshew. You're going to do this for Wentz. Wentz, everyone knows Wentz has that in him. It's just a matter of if they feel that they can fix him. But if you're – if your job is predicated on one last run with this Chicago Bears team, you have to go all in for wins. Yeah. I'm not saying they'll give up two first round picks, but they up and yeah. he's done. Yeah. With Chicago, the only other options, this is why I think Chicago's the number one team for the Eagles to trade uh wins to. With Chicago, the only other options they have, because they have the 20th pick in the draft, the top three, four quarterbacks are gonna be gone. Um, then you look you look at free agency. There's what Cam Newton, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Gardner Minshew. None of those guys are going to save your job, <laughs> Ryan Pace. And then you have Mitchell Trubisky. We've already seen that. None of those guys are going to save your job. The guy with the highest ceiling is Wentz. So I think ultimately what I think will happen is I think uh, Pace is going to come up off of not two first-round picks, but maybe a first, the uh, number twenty overall this year. Maybe like you said, a second next year, and yeah. another player. Who do you think fits Wentz the best? Oh, the Colts. Of course, the Colts is the Colts. I feel like everything is there. Mm-hmm. And someone on Twitter mentioned the other day, where they said they think uh, the Bears are going to come off, you know, two ones, where they said basically. Pace and Nagy can get Wentz. If it works, we're geniuses. If it doesn't, we don't have to clean up the mess. Mm. Which I makes all the world take your, think your last like chance that. because at the end of the day, you don't have to fix it. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, about 30 minutes ago, a report just came out from ESPN, Jeremy Fowler. He says that uh, Zach Ertz could be included in a potential Carson Wentz deal. And he is, and I quote, he's bracing for a potential trade or release so <laughs> would you hurts, do that hurts that hurts my chest hurts yeah, yeah. is my guy would you do Wentz, Ertz, and like a fourth or fifth round of next year to the colts for what well, do you think that deal would get done Wentz, Ertz, and like a fourth or fifth round of next year for um 21 and maybe like some other picks to the colts would i do it no yeah. do, do you think it'd get done Who's there? Mo Ali Cox. The Titan, yeah. Yeah, I think I think they could do it. See, that gives them because Ty is gone. Well, yeah. he's a free agent. Who do you have? Uh, they have Tyler Johnson. No, they have um, Pittman, Michael Pittman. Pittman, yeah, Mike Pittman. Um, Zach Pascal. They have that's another weapon, and I think I don't think Ertz is as bad as he was last year. I think he was hurt. And he knew this was his last, you know, last go because, you know, of contract negotiations. Yeah. I feel like he said, I'm going to, you know, play regardless because this might be my last time in Philly. And it made him look a lot worse than he was. But Wentz, yeah, Wentz Ertz a fourth. for two, I'd do it for just 21, honestly. Hmm. Let Ertz, if, I think. Goddard be tight in two, a tight in one. Well, 
See, I was just about to jump into that. Even if they trade Ertz, the replacement in itself, I think, which, and I think, uh, and I'm not going to say take him over Jamar Chase or uh, Devontae Smith. I already know what you're going to say. Kyle Pitts, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. I already know what you're going to say. It's like he is, the, he is, the stars aligned. Every part you need to see is there. Sirianni, Sirianni's predicated on mismatches. Kyle Pitts is the ultimate mismatch. Brian Johnson, former OC at Florida. Kyle Pitts comes from Florida. It is there. I don't even. He's. Oh my God. He's. And so, like, like, I don't want to say is he's Megatron esque, but you he can't is. help but see it when you turn on the film. He doesn't have the speed, obviously, of like the freak of nature, like athleticism, but it's. He plucks the ball out of the air. Yeah. His routes are flawless. Yeah. His, what is he, 6'6? Six, six, like, He's 6'6, six six, 240 pounds. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine that. Like, how do you guard that? Dallas Goddard and Cal Pitts on the you same can't. field at the same – how do you guard that? You can't. And I think – what was it, Eric Crocker, when he was like, what we teach when we watch film and, you know, grade a wide receiver is can you win on slants or can you win the slant routes? And he said Kyle Pitts wins it every single time. Defensive back doesn't matter. Safety doesn't matter. Linebacker, oh, that definitely doesn't matter. He wins it every single time. And even if they're on his hip, he like you said, he's 6'6, 250 pounds. He can literally go and just snatch the like plucks it out of the air. He made Alabama look like children. Bro, like yeah, Florida lost, but they look like like babies. Bro, week in and week out, he went against SEC corners and mm-hmm. won. Like JC Horn, a lot of y'all's favorite number one cornerback prospect. He went against him and won. Derek Stingley, CB1 next year. Yes. Uh CJ Henderson. Yes. A couple years back. He went against him in pra- in practice routinely. Yes, it is there. You can see it. And um, okay, so you touched on that. Okay, the last point. Uh Jalen Hurts going into 2021. Where are you on him? In terms of franchise quarterback, yeah. it's TBD. Uh, I think I saw enough in 2020 to say he deserves a shot. I, I oh, thought. Wait, 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 wait. Before we really get into that, I just want to say, um, Nick, he did a phenomenal job oh, on that Jalen Hurst article on the phillybliss.com. You can go and check that out. He did a phenomenal job on that article. Very detailed, you know, uh, very well thought out. Video evidence. Yeah, yeah, with video evidence in it. Great job by him. But uh, you can continue. Yeah, I retweet his Hertz videos probably every day. But um, I think he showed, I honestly think he showed enough with the expectation of Wentz not getting traded up until, you know, a month ago. I I thought he showed enough in 2020 to, you know, incite a a camp battle, a QB camp battle. Um, But now that, you know, Wentz is gone, I have a lot of confidence in him as QB1. Like I said, in terms of franchise, I haven't seen enough. It has been only four games um, and four very, very different games. You know, the the flawless New Orleans game, the semi-flawless Cardinals game, and then you get they actually for the first time look like a rookie, and then the last Washington game. But there's – based off what we expect Sirianni's offense to look like, is what Hertz showed he can do at Oklahoma. 
Yeah. The ball to your wide receivers in space. Let them make plays. Get the ball to your uh, running backs in the flat. Let them get space. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw you like a couple of days ago. You were on Twitter. You were saying um, her skill set is specifically predicated for the type of offense that we've mm-hmm. seen or we've heard or uh, Nick Sirianni is going to run. And something that I didn't even know um, when I was speaking to someone, they kind of jumped into our conversation. It was me and someone else. But they mentioned his last year pre-Tua at Oklahoma, I mean, at Alabama, he had one of the best deep ball percentage accuracy percentages and then followed that up by doing it again at Oklahoma. So, yeah, he doesn't have, you know, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes arm strength, but the touch on his passes has been elite. We saw it first game against Green Bay. He threw a 40-yard pass to Rager. Um, He could have completed, you know, at least five deep balls against uh, the Cardinals, which ended up being pass interference because they were held or tackled or whatever. But he has that touch, Deshaun Jackson against Dallas. Yeah. He might not throw it 70 yards in the air, but it's going to get there. It's going he to be on get time. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What do you feel about QB1 2021? <laughs> I feel like with Hurts, the view on him, it gets distorted a little bit. Like, I feel like people, they see him as a microcosm of Howie Roseman's mistakes. Or even if you, even if you don't want to call it a mistake, they see him as the, the image, like a dictionary definition of uh, Roseman Roseman taking a quarterback in the second round. He didn't ask to be put in this situation. Like, it's it's not on him. So you mean, like, you think they they prejudge him before they even consider his play? Yeah, yeah. And that that prejudgment, it distorts their view of his play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like people are either on one – one side of the spectrum, like they're going to say, oh, he stinks. He's not, he's not a franchise quarterback. He can never be a quarterback in the NFL. Or they'll say he's, you know, he could be one MVP next year. Like (laughs) calm down. Like it's okay to be a little bit in the middle. Like it's okay to say, you know, he flashed last year, but he did show some things he needs to improve on. Yeah. Um, So I just feel like things, they don't always have to be so, decisive like one way or the other i feel like that's this fan base honestly well yeah whether whether the regardless of the sport even remember last year when bryce harper started off poorly they're like oh bryce sucks he doesn't deserve this and everyone's like oh bryce harper's top five top five then you get ben ben simmons sucks no ben simmons is generational then you get wentz wentz sucks no wentz only sucks because his o-line is coaching blah blah blah. he's still top five then you get hurt like the same i feel like there's you get like ridiculed if you have a normal opinion on something hey ben simmons can't shoot but he does all these other things well yes he needs to improve his offensive game what how dare you all right wince you know wince needs to learn to throw it away no he doesn't blah, blah, blah. they need to get open like there's always you can't make a rational sound opinion in this city you just can't yeah yeah and i i think uh you know being on twitter you know interacting with different people you know you can see it you know, it's just things just always have to be so decisive with people with mm-hmm. the Philadelphia sports teams. But um, I think that's everything we needed. We wanted to discuss today. Um, that I think that's going to wrap it up. So I just want to thank everybody for listening and um, have a great one, everybody. Appreciate y'all.